You know, I don't think Jesus had an X and a Y chromosome. He had an X and a cross chromosome. <laughs> I have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire, a podcast for Christians who are rethinking their faith and need a safe place to doubt. As we wander through the spiritual wilderness, we want to find and follow God wherever the pillar of fire leads. And just like God's people in the Bible, we get lost, we miss the point, and we don't have all the answers. But maybe that's okay. We're on this journey together. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Even on my heart Can't compare with what you're worth Yeah, so Hannah got a, got a gecko today. Okay, I saw something about a gecko. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did she? How did she end up being interested in and in getting a gecko? Because it's not a snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, the only criteria. She... <laughs> not, not a snake. Well, she wanted a snake terribly. Okay. But Christy has a thing about snakes. Okay, so it's as she close as possible like, to a snake. Right. Right. Without same, being a snake. <laughs> right. Same part of the. Yeah. The evolutionary tree. If she can uh, get it cursed, then there you go. <laughs> yeah, as long as the, the gecko doesn't start telling her to eat apples or something. Yeah, don't listen to the gecko. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure that this is going to make sense, <laughs> the topic <laughs> that I have tonight. Okay. But... This has really been on my mind lately, and I think it's partly due to reading the Jared Bias's book, Love Matters More, which is the book club book for next episode. Coming 55. up next. Yep. Um, he talks a lot about truth. Like the first whole half of the book is like, what is truth? Yeah. In a way, you know, like discussing it back and forth. And that that phrase, what is truth from... Something, something, the Bible, where was it? Uh, John 18, where Jesus is in front of uh, Pilate, I believe. Right. And John 18. Come on. I it's the what is. I had this pulled yeah. up, sorry. Okay, so Jesus is in front of uh, the high priest and then uh, before Pilate. There we go. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. Um, So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. And this was, in parentheses, this was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Um, Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So are you a king? 
Jesus answered, Do you say that I'm a king? For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? And then he handed him over to be killed. So, my uh, since I was a teen, I've I've always read that verse, the what is truth? It's just like this question that's just hung out there just for the millennia to just kind of dangle there and nobody answers it. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it seems like a pretty big question because Jesus has says, Jesus said, if you belong to the truth, you listen to my voice. Um, and I'm here to testify about the truth. And he's like, what is truth? Not is what is the truth? And I, I assume that that's how it is in the, in the Greek as well. I haven't looked at it. Just what is truth? <clears throat> and so as I, as I dig into deeper into my deconstruction of things <clears throat> and my new understanding of things and all the questions that I'm questioning, I am getting more and more messaging from progressive Christianity and from philosophy and from a lot of different parts of the world that truth is maybe different than what I thought it was or the concept is more complex than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and in this book, you know, by Jared Bias, it talks about these three kinds of truth, and I'll get to that in a second. But all this stuff, it, when you are... You know, back to the Brian McLaren first book that we read about from him. The when you're in the stage one, faith, everything is black and white. It's true or it's not true. In other words, true it is or false. A fact, yeah, yeah. fact or, or false, fact or fiction. Real easy. Everything's one or the other. But the deeper I get into my faith, and the deeper I feel like I understand God, and how things work in the world. I'm finding that that question, what is truth, is a lot more complicated than I thought. Because, you know, somebody may read that book, that verse in, in John 18 and go, well, the truth is that Jesus is the Christ, you know, the son of the living God, you know, end of story. Yeah. Well, okay, but, I mean, <laughs> there seems to be much more to it <laughs> than that. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, if, if I asked you, Nathan, what is truth, what's your answer? What is truth? 30 seconds or less. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> my answer has changed, so I have to answer twice. Okay. Most of my life growing up just in the in the, the fundamentalist background that I grew up in, I would have defined truth as a map that perfectly overlays the world, mm. mm-hmm. um, labels everything, and is black and white so that like this is it or like a flow chart for finding the correct decision in any situation and i i believed that truth was completely discoverable consistent and unchanging so basically it's on the map or it's not on the map if it's not on the map it's a lie it's true or false completely discoverable that's a good, that's a good yeah. point it's like the just the what do you do in this situation? There is an answer for that. That is the correct truth. Yeah. And if you ask the same question, a hundred percent of the time you'll get the same answer. 
Mm-hmm. That's truth. It's immutable. Immutable. Um, and and maybe another way to say that, I think of maps like a mental map or an overlay, but another way is just like a list of facts. The truth mm. is the list of facts about the universe, and it's that's it. You you know you try to figure out what the facts are about the universe. My answer now is very different, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit, but previous Nathan, fundamentalist Nathan, would have believed that it's either true or not true. Mm -hmm. If it's not true by a little bit, it is false. Mm. But today, I believe that there's true, truer, and truest. Something can be a little bit more true than another thing, even if they're both false. Or something can be true, but there can be something that is truest. It's like, it's like it's, a, a number line. <laughs> yeah, or like a like a scatter graph where mm, okay. most of the dots end up kind of in the middle and there's some some stuff to the side. So it's it's a little bit truth is fuzzier for me, but <laughs> it still has a shape. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not a line anymore. It's a it's a distribution. Instead of the map overlay, I think what I'm more interested in is walking along the path instead of knowing Mm. what the map is so Mm. instead of knowing the facts it's being you know the kind of person that is true Mm. that's interesting i like the map idea as far as how i used to see things as well you know because if if i if i know the map well enough everything will go right for me yes you know because i i will be on the right path I'll make the right choices, all that kind of stuff. And I remember um, when I was younger, my, this was my I got the message from multiple places, my parents included, that you know, wisdom is very, very important. Yeah. You know, and, and wisdom is not knowing the right thing, so it's not knowing the facts, but it's knowing how to implement those facts at the right time in the right way. But I took that to mean that, well, at first, I've got to know all the facts. <laughs> I've got to know the stuff, but knowledge, right? And so I remember I, I read Proverbs like uh, multiple times when uh-huh. I was like, you know, like the whole, like if you read it like one chapter a day, it's like 31 chapters. Uh, once a so month. you can like in a month, you can do a, the whole book, and I did that like like months in a, in a, in a row, and you know it's it's I guess it's not bad, but I had this idea that that wisdom just meant having all this these wise sayings in my head, whereas true wisdom comes from, and that's just knowledge, but true wisdom comes from knowing how to handle that knowledge, knowing when to shut up, knowing when to talk, which is exactly why like. Some of the verses back to back say a wise man keeps his mouth shut. Next one says a wise man says the right, the right thing when he needs to. Right. Or whatever. When, when would you, I have the answer in my head. If you think about self-perceived peak wisdom, <laughs> <laughs> how old were you when you hit peak? How wise you think you are compared to other people? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was set. Mine is like 16, 17 was like yeah I was, I was about to say i think it's probably around 18 yeah. yeah 
like right when I went to college. Yeah, my senior year, I was yeah, 17, 18, yeah. I got a lot of pretty darn like, sure. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were like that that you know, like Bible camp, the notes that you write each other at the end. <laughs> mine were always like he's so wise. Yeah. Know, he he doesn't speak much, but when he does, it's like insightful, it's full of wisdom. Um and I was like, "Yes, it is. That is me." <laughs> when I was 17, I wanted I waited too long to sign up to be a uh, at Camp Koinonia, up in Koinonia. Yeah. Brett, Brett, Brett Carter, Carter sang at your sister's wedding. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, all right. I uh, love Brett. Good man. Um, yeah, me too. He, uh, so I, I had a job at that summer, and I didn't think I could get off for camp, so I didn't sign up for camp. But then I suddenly had the had time off for I forget what happened. I don't. I didn't quit or anything. I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, so I called up Brett and I'm like, is there any way, you know, get me in a, in a cabin? He's like, oh, we're packed full. He's like, but if you really want to come, you can be kind of like a, like an apprentice cook <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. And so I was 17 and I, I went up there and I, I had like a cot in the, like in the cook's area or whatever. Had to get up at like 6 a.m., make pancakes, made like hundreds of pancakes one day. I remember it was pretty fun. But he also said, you know, I just have to do a little bit of work and then I could participate in all the other stuff. So I could be kind of half camper, half cook. And I remember at one, like at the end of the, at the end of the week, he kind of was like not giving awards. He's like talking about people, maybe it was in a Devo or something. And he mentioned how he's like, I, I love Steve over here because Steve's kind of quiet. But when he speaks up, it's just so it's like it, it hits you it just means it hit, it's like wise i'm like yeah pretty much <laughs> that's right got me figured out finally you know a lot more where that came from oh yeah and then i went off to college and i'm around everybody who thinks like i do and i'm like ah, i'm right after all <laughs> <laughs> so yeah eh, i was pretty pretty sure about that and then in in some of the prep moving into doing mission work, I was pretty sure that I knew what was going on as well. And I am now at the, probably the point in my life where I feel like the least wise <laughs> that I've ever been, or at least the least knowledgeable. And so, which is a bizarre place to be. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, what's that, what's that curve of uh, ability like uh, versus, how well confidence. you think, how well, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> confidence versus uh, ability or something like that. Oh, yeah. And, like, you start out and you're like, I don't know anything. And then really quickly you go up, way up high in the confidence level. And then the, the further you go over to more knowledge, like you fall way down. Yeah. And you kind of, it goes back up a bit and it kind of stabilizes. But yeah, but never as high as that, that first. <laughs> right. So I think oh, I'm yeah. on the dip, maybe on the upswing. I don't know about that yet, but um, still trying to figure things out. But this this whole concept of truth is just, it's making me crazy because, especially when it gets to the Bible, and we'll talk about that in a second, but, you know, it all comes down to truth isn't necessarily as nailed down as we might think. You know, there are, there are certain things that are true only under certain conditions, like 
Nathan is a 40-year-old man. That is not a true thing. That is false. However, in a few years, that'll be a true thing. And then it'll stop being true again. Right. Um, and there are things that are never true under any condition. Like, Nathan is a 12-foot-tall blue Christmas tree with a hive of bees for a beard, which might be pretty cool and probably sounds like a pretty good Christmas story for kids, but not a true thing, and I don't see that ever happening. <laughs> right. You know, then we get into the whole, is truth always a fact? Is, can I believe something into being true? Can, and this is where it all gets into wacky philosophy. Can truth be subjective or relative? Well, yeah, can I just said it sort of is, but, you know, I'm not advocating in any way for pure relativism. Like pure, pure relativism just means that a, a statement can never be wrong or right because those categories don't exist. But there are things like that are relative, like Apple makes better computers than Dell. Now, to me, that is 100% true. You cannot convince me otherwise. But maybe not to you. Probably depends on when, too. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the criteria we're using to measure For that? For what purpose? Yeah. Yeah. For what purpose? It, what's an, another one? Like, LA is very is close to, the, to New York City. Well, not if you're like an ant. <laughs> Yeah. But if you're looking if you're at a the, constellation, right? If, you, if you're living, living near Sagittarius or something, then you definitely it's definitely close. Yeah, chocolate tastes better than vanilla. You know, it's relative. Yeah, I th- I think like moving from a certainty culture where the truth is your anchor, it's the mm-hmm. thick rope that ties you to something. It's tangible. Um, you're in it or out of it, right? It, and it's life or death kind of. It's like, this is the fortress that I live in. This is truth. The purpose of yeah. truth is is an entrenchment, an encampment to protect me from being not true. And you will build thicker and thicker truth walls to make sure that you're in the encampment. And this works in mm-hmm. conservative and in progressive fundamentalism. So you'll yeah. see this. You'll see this on the left when it's like, you know, you're not allowed to celebrate this if you don't, this new thing I made up that, you know, none of us have heard about yet. That's saying, mm-hmm. right, I'm building this wall so deep to know that I'm in the center of it. The purpose of the truth there is like, I want to know if I'm in or out. I want to feel safe. I want to feel like I am firmly standing on the truth. Mm-hmm. I think moving from an uncertain, from a certainty culture that it's the whole foundation to this like wonder um, questioning culture is so scary because you you've lost the foundation, but I think you like, you still want to have the same fortress you're, but you're outside of the fortress now. Mm -hmm. And so as you start to, to do that, you find out that truth does a very different thing or maybe it doesn't, it doesn't protect you like it used to mm-hmm. because you can't be certain about truth. Right. So if you're going to build a fortress, but you don't know whether you're in it or out of it, that's very scary. Yeah. yeah. Like so there's think, a wall there. Which side of it am I on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's where some of it comes. Like I said, like my idea of truth moved from the map to 
a, a very different and a very fuzzy thing. But the point of truth has changed for me. Hmm. So that so it's not, am I correct now? Can I be certain now? Or even like, do I feel safe? That's that's what I was clinging. That's what legalism is, or that's what black and white thinking is, or fundal, fundamentalism. Fundamentalism will always just try to find the truth that defines me in the center of it, to the yeah. exclusion of other people. Whatever that means. Yeah. Um, we don't use instruments or we don't use instruments and we don't have female preachers. We don't use instruments and we don't have female preachers and we don't, you know, it's, you're just like defining yourself into, you know, it's truth starts with me and it's a circle around me. Yeah. But if truth and, and Jared bias gets to this in the book, so I'm heavily plagiarizing this, but <laughs> That's the Eastern or the ancient idea of truth was not that mental map that is right or wrong. It's a flow chart of if then statements. It's not a yeah. computer program. Truth is a path or a plumb line. Truth is a not direction? about knowing. Yeah, truth is a direct. Truth is something you have to walk. Mm-hmm. You can't know truth. You have to be truth. Trying to answer every question that anybody ever thought to ask. And I'm worn out from defending a position I did not build and cannot seem to match. Yeah, uh, and I think that when, when we tend to talk about truth, in religious or non-religious circles in our culture, it is it's, we are a very certainty is better culture for sure, and so we we want to ask questions that have a definitive answer, a yes or no. You know, back to the the somewhat fuzzy answered things, the somewhat relative things like preferences on ice cream or type of car or whatever. That, but then you move into uh, this church is better than that church. Or this church is more true than that church. Or the way of interpreting this scripture is better and more accurate and more truthful than that way of interpreting scripture. Yeah. And one thing that's conf- what's kind of not confusing me, but it's been on my mind a lot. I'm reading this book. I've, I think I mentioned it before. Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul by John Philip Newell. And it's about prominent figures of, in the history of Celtic Christianity and how they viewed things. And it's, it's, it's fascinating because I didn't realize how much poetry and abstract thought and fuzziness comes along with that idea in the Celtic, uh, the, at least the ancient Celtic culture, meaning like Scotland, Wales, uh, Ireland, and parts of England. And so like, they will read a, they'll read a scripture and it'll say a thing and they'll extrapolate from that the, what the truths are. Not, like they're very unconcerned with, is this, um, like what time of day is the third hour? You know? <laughs> right. Uh, what, yeah. What time, what time did it happen and on what day did it happen? Right. Yeah. Was it a Thursday or Wednesday? And then what sequence? And, but they're more like, 
talking about Jesus, for example, they they talk about like, was Jesus sent from God? Yes. But they don't like we would say, what does that mean? Was it did Jesus was he impregnated by God yeah. or, or all this stuff? Did Jesus have a X and a Y chromosome? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the and they're like no, and so when they think of Jesus being the Son of God, um, they don't think of Jesus being deity. They think we're all sons and daughters of God, so he's just like one of us. And when he became holy through the baptism and the things he did, Jesus showed us what a true human is like and not how Jesus was like the fulfillment of humanity, not the difference from humanity, not the opposite of humanity. Yes. And these are all things that are, you can like, yeah. they're kind of poetic things you can kind of pull from scripture and things. And I saw this uh, little uh, clip on, I think it was on TikTok. This guy, he's, he said something perfectly lined up with the cult of Christianity ideals as far as, he said, what if God is water or what if water is God? What if water is God? then that would mean God is both in us and all around us. That God is both above and below us. Why a woman's water breaks when we're born and why some religions observe the ritual of baptism. But if water was God, then that would mean that God has no gender. That God takes the shape of whatever container God appears in, which would explain why we have so many different belief systems. Which begs the question, what is the spiritual significance of poisoning the water in Flint, Michigan? or the oil burning in the Gulf of Mexico, or the large islands of garbage floating in the Pacific Ocean. If God was water, would that not mean that every natural place is holy, that every thunderstorm was a church without walls, that when the rain falls, it's an act of God's death giving life, and when it evaporates again, it's the day of resurrection, and life itself was just a test of learning how to be and flow like water, how to give life to other people, and how to refresh their spirits and quench their thirst with your presence. It's like all these really, I would say, fluffy things because <laughs> my fundamentalist <laughs> background and even my American background is, is like, this should be cut and dry. Thank you very much. Yeah. So it got me thinking a little more about like what truths are and maybe more than be, more than just what is truth. Like, is the phrase God is love, is that a truth? Is that a true thing? Yeah. In what way is it true? I, th I think that- There you go. That's the, <laughs> that's the hard part is for me, like saying something like the Bible is true or God is love. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say yes. And yes. Mm -hmm. Or I would say everything happens for a reason. Yes. But a physicist and a psychic both believe that everything happens for a reason, but they mean very different things when they say everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like, it happened for some meaningful reason. Everything has a cause or I'm the center right. of the universe and everything happens to teach me a lesson. Yeah. Is cause and effect a reason or right. is it just cause and effect? Yeah. Yeah. So like if, if I say God is love, if I am a, if I, if my life's going pretty good, maybe, yeah, God's a, God is love because I see that in my life. I see when I pray, God helps my sick dad or I have a good job. Things are happy for me. But what if I am a little girl in a child trafficking ring in Malaysia? Am I feeling like God is love? If someone says that to me, that is not a true thing because I am not feeling that in any way, shape, or form. 
I this this is all I know is being traded from man to man. And it starts kind of dark. But so to her, maybe God's not love. But so those that's a kind of truth. Because does that change the nature of God if I think he is love and she thinks he's not love? And you're you're talking about experienced truth. Right. Which from the the heaviest, like you said, like God as a father is a difficult concept for a lot of people mm-hmm. who have difficult fathers or no right. fathers. But experienced truth is also what we talk about when we say like, is coffee better than tea? Yeah. Right. So you, when I when I experience my life and I say what season is the best season, I'm going to say winter because all of the things that produce pollen are dead. <laughs> but someone else might look at the window right now. It's a perfect spring day and say spring because it's like the perfect yeah. temperature and the you know the birds are singing. And that is both statements are true for us because they are experienced truth. It's my, like people say my truth, mm-hmm. but a fundamentalist understands that kind of truth and uses that kind of a truth with a lowercase T. Mm-hmm but still believes that there is a capital T truth that never changes. Yeah, so in that case, God is love would not change if that's a true fact. Right. But the experience, the meaning of that changes depending on your experience. And it's certainly not helpful at that time. Right. So hearing God will never give you more than you can handle is not helpful any time that it has ever been used in the history of greeting no. cards. <laughs> right. Um, it's definitely not in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting case of having a thing that is true and s- using it as a baseball bat <laughs> to beat people into the truth. Yeah. The, the, the girl that we talked about or the person who doesn't like coffee is the outlier that you f- you feel the urge if your foundation is in a truth with a capital T, you want to force them into that mm-hmm. instead of sit and listen and yeah. understand what what they're going through. Right? You want to be like, well, here's what's actually going on, or don't worry, there's this hope in the future, or here's what this means, because it's those outliers or those exceptions that cause the most stress for someone who needs to know that they're in the correct circle that has the correct fortress around it. And all of the dots on the outside are, are terrifying to that person. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if, if you're this theoretical girl that I'm talking about, and if you say that the truth, the factual truth of God is love is true, is, is accurate no matter what happens to you, that truth if I'm that girl, that truth doesn't matter to me. It's irrelevant to me. Why do I care if God is love if I only ever see evil? So in that case, is that truth, the factual truth, then true to her? Does it even because it in her and from her perspective, it doesn't matter. It has no influence on her life because God is not removing her from that situation. And so I mean, this is like things I'm thinking through. Yeah, and so like from his book, uh, "Love Is Love," he Jared Bias talks about fact truths, like we've been talking about, 
and meaning truths, like things can mean more than they are, like um, taking the fact and constring a meaning out of them, like I was just talking about. Fact may be God is love. The meaning is that doesn't it doesn't mean it, that that truth does not mean anything to me. Therefore, it is not a true thing, because facts have no inherent meaning. Like there is no meaning to a a tornado. It's a tornado. I mean, it happened because science, but it comes through and destroys your house. Then you then we immediately try to to assign meaning to that. And a person whose house was was spared, the meaning of that tornado is that God will uh, protect me. And to a person whose house is destroyed, the meaning of that tornado is God hates me. Same tornado, mm-hmm. different meanings. And they're both true things to that person. And then he talks about wisdom truths, which is kind of what you were saying, how like where you are with things. It's, it's like the things that can only be determined through experience and situation. Are you living that truth? Uh, and like, are you walking that line? I, I wrote it down this, I, this way. Fact truths are, am I living on earth? Meaning truth is, why am I living on earth? And wisdom truth is, how should I live on earth? Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so we got all these truths. And then we get to the Bible. We've kind of touched on this already, but... What do you mean by the Bible is true? Well, there's some facts in it, okay? There's some meanings. So we, we read it and we say, what did the original author mean? What did they intend? But then those all, we also say, what, what does it mean to me? We've got to figure out where those two things meet. And then we, then we have wisdom truths, like, like I was saying, Proverbs. And direction on how to live a life well lived. How do you how do you do that? And so having those three kinds of truth wrapped up in scripture, when we say the Bible is true, it, it can lead to some really interesting conclusions, I guess. I think what the three kinds of truth you, you mentioned, the fact truth, meaning truth, and what was the third one? How? Wisdom truth. Wisdom truth. I think the kind of the footprint of fundamentalist thinking, there are those three categories still, fact, truth, uh, meaning truth, and wisdom truth, but you can apply fact, truth to all three of them. So there's fact, truth, what happened. Mm-hmm. There's meaning, truth, and there, but there's the map that's set in stone that is this is the meaning and this is not the meaning, and here's mm-hmm. the certainty and the source uh-huh. that I can quote to say it. And the wisdom is, this is the wisdom that I read in Proverbs, or this is the wisdom that I got from the fact. Yeah. It's like we're taking all kinds of truth and squeezing it into fact truth. Turning it all into fact truth, even though we know that there is the difference and we know that we use it differently, but we still Mm -hmm. want to go back to the, that feeling of having the certainty or the fact. And I, you know, that our 17 year year old selves we're really good at that. They were the, the best that we've ever been at applying the facts to all three kinds of truth. Yeah. But kind of the, you know, theoretical question I think is, can you be true if you have all of the facts wrong? I believe the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Or can you be wrong even if you have all the facts correct? I believe the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. the certainty 
And the fact truth, in my opinion, is the least important kind of truth. Mm -hmm. I think the, you know, when we, when we look at the, the person who is living in despair or, or has had a miserable life that is not fair, the truth of God is love is not a helpful fact truth in a card like cheer up god is love what what are you complaining about yeah but if you are in a place where you have only darkness and you can't do anything about it then you can either have hope or you can have despair yeah right so then the like we would want to give whether we believe the the fact truth about this or not we would want to give the person in complete darkness with no control hope Mm-hmm. We would never want hope on them. We would never wish on them despair. Right. So God is love when you're in your darkest moment is, you know, life is not love. Li- you know, life does not feel good, like the T-shirt says, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the idea of something like God is love is a future hope that you're not feeling right now. For that person it, it's it's like yeah. the the last remaining thread to a a future that you hope is true to keep you just from despair hmm. or if you are not that person and you are someone around them then you can choose to either believe truth god is love or walk truth god is love and so you could believe all over them well you're in this situation but god is love so god's gonna do something about it or you can walk truth, which is that you do something about it. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. You know, so that I think that when we when we start, we're, we're both of us started and we move towards this. We're like outside of the gates of the temple is what it feels like. So where's the, we're out, we're, we're out of the fortress. So it, I think that the opposite thing happens where we had this huge foundation of truth surrounding us and now it's so hard to see it. But I think because you can move from true or false into true, truer, and truest, I think that gives space to people like us to start to find out how do I, how do I be true, not how do I know the truth. Yeah. Being true versus knowing the truth. Yeah, it's like, what do, what do you do with it? Yeah, and it... There's an example like the so many people, let's say in stage one certainty kind of faith where things are black and white, they want to know answers to questions like, what is a sin? Is this a sin? Is this a sin? Is this a sin? How far can I go? Yeah. How far can you go? Um, It's a sin if you're asking the question that's answered. Um, (laughs) Too late. No, but that's a question that is just not interesting to me. Like wh- what is yeah. and what is not a sin? It just doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to me anymore. Um, the question and the answers are all dumb when I, they're f- foolish. <laughs> you're, you're all missing the point about what the whole thing is. Or like, is the Bible true? Is this thing in the Bible true? Did this thing happen? Or was this thing written by this person? Those are the most important things. And that's what the whole stack of cards is, is based on is on top of but we we intuitively know how something can be both true and false at the same time yeah i use 
I do this all the time on Twitter. When I'm being snarky, I will misquote Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I could say, blessed are the bold and arrogant, for they shall take the earth by force. Jesus. <laughs> and I have just lied, maybe. Um, Jesus did not say that. Um, and if if what Jesus said is true, then that statement is not true. But I can still use that to convey truth, it, meaning it points to something. It, it, it points something out in you or it points something, a, a direction that you should go. Yeah, and in a way that, that truth is more true than if you, or can, can, can convey more truth than just the correct quote. And it's not true. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a pointer because truth isn't just this fact is correct. It's we're, we're supposed to do something with it afterwards. So knowing the map, even if I had a 100% correct map, doesn't matter at all if I don't use it to go anywhere. Yeah. And, and so with all of that in mind, thinking about faith, like how, how important is truth to your faith? Well, let me back up. I have talked to a lot of people in the construction, the, the deconstruction land who have gotten to the point where they come across knowledge or information about the Bible, like the scholarship stuff that we've been talking about here and there. Yeah. And they see that, well, some of the fact truths that I, that, in, that I thought were in the Bible are not facts for whatever reason, or we believe them now to not be fact truths. Like there is zero evidence for the Exodus, for example. And it may have happened. I'm just saying that there's no, no archaeological evidence at all. Right. Uh, and like Moses, Abraham, like a lot of these things, like what, what, uh, did they happen? Did they not happen? What are the facts? And I think we get wrapped up in that. And we, if we get to the point where we believe that those facts are not true in a fact truth way, then that suddenly, like you mentioned, house of cards with its perfect terminology for it, because we perceive that as a destroys all. You know, I pulled the bottom card out and it's all fallen down. But it's because the most important, the most important part of it was the veracity of the original statement and right. and not the the usefulness or the application right which i think is a shortcut so the we have family lore in my family that every time my family the wheats go on vacation we end up cold wet and alone <laughs> we're always in the wrong spot at the wrong time in the wrong season or you know we we're the stubborn ones who go on the camping trip anyways. Yeah. Even if no one else, you know, would. And that's like this story we tell about ourselves. It's not actually true. It's probably 95% false. <laughs> um, but I think the shortcut is when you, when the facts are the things that matter the most, you can get away from what does it mean for me or what should I do about this or who should I be now? Instead of what is this, what is the point of, this story and what is it, how does it apply to me now? 
from the very beginning, the point of the story, the stories in the Old Testament were told for a purpose. None of them were just history for people to know. And, you know, this is your ancestry.com. This is what happened. All of them were written with purpose for people to learn something or be something or do something or understand their place. And so the the question of, I think that we, we can say this is this is true. Now I believed the correct thing and I'm done. And that's the shortcut. I believed the right thing. The end. Yeah. And if you, if you're basing all of your foundation of the Bible on a fact truth that has changed and, and it falls apart, then it can easily destroy everything that you believe. And we see that all the yeah, time and it's time. devastating. And sometimes the house of cards is built on the worst part of the Bible, you know, right? Like there, there are parts of the Bible that are a little bit more sturdy to build that house of cards on than others. Not because, not because people are lying in one section, but like some, some are meant to be built on, uh, in that way. Like Genesis one was not meant to be the foundation of our scientific understanding of the universe for anybody. But it contains so much truth. Right, but the even though it's not a factually true thing, and that I think that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm struggling with this, but when the the fact truth piece erodes the whole thing, I think that's a little bit of a symptom that it we didn't believe in the usefulness, like the actual truth mm. in the application to our lives. Ooh, that's good. Yes. So I completely reject, I'm someone who like, I'm all the way bought into all of the kinds of truth in the Bible, um, kind of naively, but it's because of the meaning, the like application truth that I have lived, mm-hmm. that I can be generous and spread the the things that I know to be true because of, because I used them like a tool, um, or I, or I, they helped me in a, like a plumb line to help me in my life or whatever. Um, like the fact truth, that's like, I don't care about that because mm-hmm. I have seen it in action. Right. It's like, if you find out that the inventor of the MRI was lying about everything, but you've used it to cure people. So you're like, I don't care if he like didn't graduate right. from MIT. What does that have to do with anything? I'm using the tool to, to, to cure people. Yeah. So uh, th- that's what I mean. It's like, is, the, it's like the saying, all truth is God's truth, no matter where you find it. I've heard people say that before. Huh. And I, I I think that, and it's usually kind of applied to, you know, if I read the Bhagavad Gita, I'm going to find some of God's truths in it, even though it is nowhere near ascribed to the God of the Bible, right? You don't have to know how to read to learn a lot of God's truths. Right. A lot of God's truths you can figure out by just bumbling around in your life and figure out what works and what doesn't, right? Yeah. And you can know a lot of things that stop you from living in a true way. You know, it's... Right. And that's kind of where I was going with some of this is is when we base, I think it's the wrong, basing our faith on facts or lack of fact truths in a 2,000-year-old book written by a bunch of different dudes is I think missing the point. I think the point is that these things are 
true because, for one, not not all the things, but I mean, there are truths in there, and you can see those truths by the way that they work in the world. Now, you can also argue, as uh, kind of Brian McLaren did in the "Should I Stay Christian" book, that there are a lot of nasty things that have been done uh, based on the um, based on the Bible. You could also say, well, in that case, those things weren't done based on the truth of the Bible. And so it gets into this weird area that's uncomfortable for us being former fundamentalists and Americans. But like, as you mentioned, uh, the quote unquote, Eastern and ancient world, they're, they're much more comfortable in the Eastern world with things as we would see them as fuzzy and not as solid. That even actually explains some of why, in Hebrews, for example, well, all, all through the, the New Testament, actually, they're constantly misquoting the Old Testament. Yeah, and it, I, it drives me nuts when Paul uses a verse completely incorrectly, like that. Yeah, that was never what that. Not verse... only is it out of context, <laughs> but it's completely like even misquoted. It's like definitely not what they were trying to do in that verse, Paul. Yeah. And that makes a little more sense when, when if if the point is to get across a an idea fact, a a wisdom fact, like this is how to live your life, then it doesn't matter if Job is a, par- a parable. It probably is. It doesn't matter. That's the point. It do- I don't care if Job was a real guy. I don't care if Moses was a real guy. I don't care if the Exodus actually happened. I think the point is that the the truth trying to be taught is that. God is there and he will help you sometimes. Sometimes he'll let you help yourself. Sometimes uh, you don't see him, but he's there. Sometimes you see him and it scares you. Uh, and it's th- Those are the kinds of things that I am trying to now, the way I'm now looking at scripture and my faith, I'm trying to see things more that way, more kind of an open-ended truth, which is probably heresy to a lot of uh, our former church mates. Um, but it's, I think that's really the way we need to go instead of having like heart attacks and freaking out over like the declination of the, the verb in, you know, John chapter three or whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think the, the thing that I've seen like in our new community, the pendulum definitely swings in my opinion, a little bit too far towards if you can't know the truth with a capital T, if you can't have the map and know that you have the map, then there's nothing that's true. There's no point. Mm-hmm. And Brian McLaren makes the point, or maybe it was, shoot, now I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Jared Bias. But knowing that truth is relative or that we, it is impossible as sensing beings to really access the complete truth, you know, I I can mm-hmm. only see my lived experience. I have a, a filter that I'm seeing the world through that by definition means I will never actually know the full ultimate reality of everything. That's not the same thing as I can't discern truth right. from falsity. You know, um, And I think that's, that's one thing that when you, you get out of the fortress of su- truth, the fortress of truth, and you think there's, now there's nothing. But there, there is, there's all, you can see people who are living lives of love, 
and you can discern that easily. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't have the, the certainty to hold on to necessarily, but it doesn't mean that there's just nothing. Complete relativity doesn't mean no fact is truer than another. We absolutely can get can tell the difference between this is better than that, or this is more true than this, or even this is leading me in a direction that is more true. Yeah. And I think that Eastern idea, truth, I love etymology, comes from a word that means trust and steadfastness and faithfulness. Yeah. Not correct. Right. And when Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, or when Jesus said that I am here to to um, be the truth, or I'm going to send you a spirit of truth, we're modern, and so we think of facts. We are, yep. we are after the Enlightenment, so we think that truth is the same as things that are correct. But th- that is not what any of those people in the East in uh, the first century were thinking. True to them meant faithful, and specifically Jesus the carpenter slash stonemason. True is a is a masonry term. True is when you have uh, a building or a or a frame. True means that it is all of the correct things, uh, not that it's the correct fact, but that the horizontal lines are level, the vertical lines are plumb. And all of the corners are 90 degree corners. Those three things together, it's the right shape, mean that Mm -hmm. something is true. And Jesus literally talked about himself as the ancient Middle Eastern way to figure out if something is true. He called himself a cornerstone. And the cornerstone is the thing that like defines what true means. Mm -hmm. And true does not mean that you are the cornerstone. True right. does not mean that you are inside the cornerstone. Or you're even touching the cornerstone. Exactly. True means that if you look back at the cornerstone, you're going at the, in the same direction that the cornerstone started going. Yeah. So you define truth by looking back at what was the example that Jesus gave us? Who are the people he talked to? How did he talk to them? What was the life that he led? I don't know. This is heretical. Jesus wasn't the smartest human who ever lived. What? The smartest humans who ever lived are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus was the truest human who ever lived, though. There, and there's, mm-hmm. a, there's, a, there's a big difference. He was in the middle of what a human should be, um, the cornerstone that defines it. And I think the shift from I am correct to how much am I like Jesus or how much am I going in the 2000 years later? I'm 2000 years direction away from the cornerstone. Am I going the same direction that he started? I do not know exactly what God wants of me. He's only told me how to act towards you. And I'm too far separated from the men who wrote the law stand before you pointing out your flaws. Yeah, I've for quite a while now I've really believed that the, the Bible is in a way in, in some ways man's best guess about how God works. 
but also a pointer. It's a direction of do the stuff like this and don't do stuff like that. You know, just because it, the stories in the Bible, like David was a screw up. Yeah. You know, and he was still after man after God's own heart, whatever that means. So it doesn't mean it's, it's not a, once again, to be heretical, it's not a book of rules. It's not a book of how to do everything. It's a book of a, like pointing to God, I feel like. And it's like this, I love what Jared says in, in the book. Um, like, the, you know, the, the verse of John eight thirty two. then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I love how he looks at that passage and he says, growing up, I was always taught that this meant Quote, if you believe the right things, then you will find freedom. Yeah. Sadly for me, at least, the more I tried to believe the right things, the less freedom I found. I felt trapped, constrained, controlled by the preachers and teachers who seemed to have a market cornered on right beliefs. And then he goes on to say, well, what if it's not saying that the correct information will set you free? But what if it's saying that if it sets you free, then you will know it is the truth? What if it's like a criteria? It's giving you a way to to understand if this is the truth. I, th- that's exactly. Yeah, so if if you don't sell, if you don't feel set free, are you learning the truth? Yeah. Are you is living this the true? Truth? Then yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, applying to our dark uh, example earlier? Is it freeing to say to the the person in despair, "God is love"? Yeah. Or is it is it to tell the person? you know, well, God has plans to prosper you. So, you know, good luck with your illness. Yeah. Cheer up. Or, or is it, is it freedom to say, I'm going to help you? Yeah. I'm going to sit with you. Yeah. And yeah, it's like when people talk to me about my disease issues that I have, it's like um, uh, the thing I hate the most, one of the things I hate the most, I've got a lot of things I hate the most about this, but <laughs> when, when they say things like, well, I'm sure God meant it for a reason. He meant it for good, you know, once again, misquoting Romans 8. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, nah, don't tell me that God meant my disease for good because that's not helping <laughs> me. It's putting words and intention in God's mouth and it's just, just shut up. I mean, you can say, I hope you're finding a way to find something positive out of this i mean there's different things you could say but don't say that that goes back i I keep thinking of this analogy of having to beat somebody back into the truth (laughs) because if if you have this idea and the world is this map or this just ironclad fortress of the truth and then steve martin gets this disease that he didn't deserve you know not obviously i mean we're we're sure that there's something that you did well definitely yeah. yeah um my world wants to say this doesn't make sense and I have to beat you, the outlier, back into my worldview. And I think that I'm comforting you, but what I'm actually saying is trying to make me feel better about what I think about the universe and what I think about God to mm-hmm. be true, what I believe to yep. be true. Absolutely. Is that I th- I believe that, that God works this certain way and it's kind of terrifying to think that that could not be the case. And so therefore, my comfort to you doesn't feel comforting to you, but it's actually comforting to me. It's to say, well, God does things for a reason, you know, 
I must be better than you because <laughs> that's not <laughs> happening to me. Or, you know, that that's yeah. not what they're saying, yeah. but, but that's the oh, feeling. that's what they're it, thinking. It's, it's a scary <laughs> feeling and they want to get that back into the worldview because it's about beliefs and facts. But if, if your understanding of God and love is about action, then you don't go tell a fact to somebody who is suffering. Yeah. You don't say, here's the reason why you're suffering. You just like sit with them and mourn with them or you, yeah. or you think about how you can alleviate their suffering, but you don't have to, you don't have to pound them in back into your worldview you don't have to come up with a reason for why this is happening to you and not for me, because there's not a reason that it's happening to you and not for me, but I can still love you, mm-hmm. you know, um, outside of that fortress. So, And we, like I said earlier, we look for reasons and everything. And Jesus didn't even get into reasons hardly ever. It seems like he, he, he to follow his example, you know, if, if the Bible's pointing us in direction, um, like he saw a sick person and he didn't sit there and go, well, you know, if you would have like taken more baths, you wouldn't have leprosy or whatever. <laughs> you know? He's like, That's yeah, what you get, you are where you are and I'm going to try to help you. There's a whole, there's a whole side thing to go about like suffering with people, but Jesus weeping when Lazarus dies yeah, as a cornerstone for us is someone who knows all the f- annoying facty facts <laughs> well, Jesus knew he could resurrect him. Maybe. I don't know if he did, but that's irrelevant to what was happening, which was a tragedy. Yeah. And so the true thing was for Jesus to mourn the tragedy. Right. And fundamentalists would just be like, why are you so sad, everybody? You know, there's a resurrection. <laughs> um, And I, I like your, your Jared biases, but you, you brought it up, the idea of the truth will set you free. Well, maybe the the freedom was supposed to be the way for us to know if it's true or not. Yeah. And we have the same problem with God is love where we will either make love into our thing that we think is correct. Mm-hmm. And that tends just like the truth that man sure doesn't feel freeing. That love that is correct sure doesn't feel a whole lot like love. Yeah. But there's this verse about, I think it's in First John. It's this is how we, we will recognize truth, and then there's a break. And then the next verse is that we love each other. Yeah. And if you take that break out and just in our in our Bibles, it seems to be here's the category for how that we know that something is true. It starts with like yeah. people are true. God is truth. And then it says, here's how we recognize it. Here's how we recognize it. We love one another because if you love, you're born of God. Right. And I, my theology is backwards from that because I would think, no, if you are born of God, then you love. And I do believe that. I believe that the love that I am capable of is mostly from not me and most, you know what I mean? It's mostly from God mm-hmm. through me, not me because I'm doing it right. But that's not what John says. He says, If you love, you're born of God, and that means you know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. He doesn't say, if you don't know God, (laughs) you don't love, which is the the evangelical view. Right. Well, the solution is you've got to know Jesus, and then you'll love people. Yeah. yeah. No, this says, if you don't love, you don't know God. The criteria is the love. God is love, just like truth is freeing, is if, if what... 
who you are meeting is not love, then that's not God. Yeah, and I love what you just said about how we we turn what we want to be true into love, or we take the things the what we see as fact truths, and we turn them. We say, "Oh, though that's what love is," which you know I have. We both have been have experienced people who um, they think people in my family and at, at the previous church think I'm doing wrong, think that things we're saying on this podcast are wrong. My opinions about LGBT people are wrong. Um, and so their their version of love is to exclude me from things and to tell me that, that I'm wrong because of the fact truths, Yeah, all this stuff. When I'm just trying my dead level best to show love to people and I'm trying to be less concerned with the fact truths and more with, I guess you'd say, the wisdom truths as far as like how to how to live your life and how to show love to people cuz the most loving thing the the most loving thing when you live in the fortress of truth and you're in the middle of it feels like you need to bring people into your fortress of truth yeah yeah and so we've defined tr- love in evangelicalism as the thing that defines if love is true is is if it's true not that love defines what is Man, I, I probably need to say that yeah. again. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how not square it is. If we think it lines up with our facts, that's mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. We've defined it by our beliefs and our knowledge instead of how do we know that our beliefs and facts are true if it's loving. Yeah, it's like the whole alternative facts thing that that Trump's uh, press people were putting out. Like the this is a fact because I think it's a fact and I'm telling you it's a fact and that's true versus the actual truth and it it's just all wonky. I think when I when I read Pilot, I read it in a Trump like voice, or if you're but it doesn't <laughs> matter if you're pro or anti Trump, just a cynical voice. Mm-hmm. His question, what is truth? He doesn't want want to know the answer to what is truth. What he means is He's being snarky. I don't like what does truth have any bearing on what we're doing here? Oh, interesting. Right? If if you're in a a court of justice in a corrupt country and someone says this isn't right and the judge says what is right? What they mean is like what does that have to do with it? What is justice? Like this isn't, you know, what does that have to do with the outcome here? These people want to kill you not because of the facts. You know what I mean? It's yeah. What use is this? Is this truth? Like, who cares if you're like if you're the the king of the Jews? What what matters is what these people think and, and feel. You know, fake news. Yeah, is what, what he was saying. What, what we what we need are tone indicators. My my daughter's been teaching me this. Uh, tone indicators are for like we need you texting or instant messaging or whatever. You like if you say something, you like go slash J. That means this. I'm joking. Just just kidding around. <laughs> or uh, like love you slash R means romantic or slash P just means platonic platonic or slash S is sarcastic uh, things like that so that she's been she uses all these with her friends to indicate like like shut up I hate you slash S <laughs> sarcastic just kidding that's funny yeah, this, we need that in the bible yeah so it was 
Was Pilate being no, sarcastic? No, that's, that's the thing is we don't need that in the Bible, but we feel like we need to know what <laughs> we want everything. That, yeah. We want to know, wait, what is the one thing that this means? It's like, no, it's a level. The Bible is a level. Go put it on the thing you're building and see what, you know, see what the bubble says. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought experiment. And for some people listening to this, maybe not a thought experiment at all. To imagine that the Bible is completely made up by people, that God had no inspiration to it at all. Just think about that for a second. It's just words and stories and ideas. If you look at it, just for a second, look at it that way. That's a book that you can take to the bank as far as how to live your life. Yeah. If you look at the like, look at the outcomes of how David lived his life. Look at the outcomes of how Solomon lived and how, uh, you know what I mean as far as like how to live your life, how to treat other people, how to uh, to revere God, stuff like that. You could get more out of the Bible if you believed it was all false, but you took it seriously. Yeah. Uh, seriously, but not literally, and applied it to your life. You would be more like Jesus than if you believed 100% of the things in your translation of the Bible are literally true and did nothing and did not apply that to your life. Yeah. So on the scale of is the Bible true or not, my answer is always yes, but the usefulness of the Bible to our lives, in in my opinion and where I am right now, is that I'm someone who believes many of the fact truths in the Bible, mm-hmm. but that's not why I read the Bible. Right. I read the Bible for the things that show that I am out of plumb um, mm. and I or show me how to be more like Jesus or, or like understand who God is. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm scared by that thought analogy, that thought experiment, because you still want, I still want to cling to something, but I, in that experiment, I would true, I would choose the usefulness over the correctness. I don't think, I think it's a false choice. That's, you know, but I, sure. I mean, I think that's what Jesus did. He's constantly breaking the quote-unquote law, the fact truth yeah. for pragmatic reasons, to heal a person's hand, to allow his disciples to get some food because they're hungry. Not even for pragmatic reasons. He's breaking the fact truth for the more true, true thing that the fact was trying to teach you. Yes, you know. So Most that's true. the direction. That's the cornerstone idea. Is you got stuck on on this one definition. And you can't apply it to where, like, you can't see how it applies to you right now. So, bottom line, let's try to quit looking at the fact truths of stuff, maybe, and try to look at the truest aspect of things. Like, what's the wisdom truth? What's the meaning of this? What's what's trying to be taught to me? Instead of get wrapping around, getting wrapped around the axle about, is it seven 24-hour days or 10,000 years a day or whatever? I think we get a lot more... We'd get a lot more truth out of it if we looked at it that way. Yeah, you'll at least be a lot more true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I, w- I want to kind of close out that this with this a bit of a book, uh, just a little section. So, if, uh, do you remember those? Uh, I'm a Mac. I'm a PC commercials. Oh yeah, 
yeah, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. And Great how, how nerdy the PC is and how cool and hip the, <laughs> yeah. the Mac is. Yeah. So the guy who played the PC is named John Hodgman. Okay. And he has written three books of fake trivia. And I have all three of them, and they are glorious, hilarious books that someone like you would probably really dig because yeah. they're the kind of humor that's so subtle, and you got to be really s- smart and educated to get it. Sometimes there's like 12 layers to each joke type of thing. Fake trivia um, is my kind of trivia. Yeah. So the first book he wrote was called The Areas of My Expertise, and the subtitles, which include matters historical, matters literary, Matters Cryptozoological, Hobo Matters, Food Drink, and Cheese, A Kind of Food, Squirrels, Lobsters, and Eels, Haircuts, Utopia, and What Will Happen in the Future, and most other subjects. So he he claims that this book is a complete compendium of world knowledge. And so in the introduction, he says, the main advantage that this book has over libraries, and indeed all of its Almanacian predecessors, is that all of the historical oddities and amazing true facts contained herein are lies made up by me. <laughs> and it is this, this astonishing innovation that allows, that allows each entry to contain many more truths than if it were merely factual. If this last point seems confusing to you, consider the banal and truthful statement that follows. Frederick Chopin was a Polish composer in the Romantic style who wrote primarily for the piano. I guess this is sort of interesting, as most facts are, but history has shown us again and again that facts are not what most humans believe. They are not that which moves most men and women to love or hate or joy or crime. Now compare this statement. Frederick Chopin was a Polish composer in the Romantic style who was obsessed with ladybugs, often letting dozens of them gallop over his neck, arms, and long tapering fingers while playing the piano. Obviously, the lie is so much more compelling. It shocks the mind and plays on the reader's imagination with ladybug-covered hands. New resonances emerge and new melodies of insight, not just into the nature of Chopin, but also the art of composing, the history of the ladybug as good luck charm, and coleopterophilia. It also finally explains how Chopin solved his terrible aphid problem. Truth may be stranger than fiction, goes the old saw, but it is never as strange as lies, or for that matter, as true. Proof of which maxim is the fact that I just made it up. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a long bit, but I just, I, I love that because he's, he's, he's right. <laughs> the, when there are things around the truth that point you to the truth, just exactly like your tweet. They they can have a much more deep impact. I think that's why we like stories so much. We love stories that we know are fake. Yeah. But they point us toward a larger truth that if I just said, we shouldn't do this to people, we shouldn't treat people this way, that's that's fine. It's true. But if I watch 12 Years a Slave, I'm going to have a much more deep understanding of we don't treat people people this way. Imagine a culture where the storytelling never had a point. It was just about what happened. It'd be like reading the weather. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but all of our stories, whether they're true or not, and many of them are are fact true or fact adjacent true, but we 
we shift them into our stories to tell a deeper truth. Mm. And, and when we tell a story or, or a joke, we're using, we realize that the, the fact is not near as important as the truth. (laughs) The fact is not near as important as the truth. That's good. Well, now that we have that solved, Nathan, <laughs> uh, I guess reminder that uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this next week with Jared Bias. Say a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was once again fantastic interview. I'm looking forward to reading anything else he writes. But yeah, the true thing is is tricky, and it's not as black and white as we would like to think. And we're going to keep trying to figure out the right way to tell everybody this. Right. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, we're getting there, but the, that's what Jared Bice's book is about, that love is more important than beliefs. That's kind of what we're trying to grapple with is, I had all the correct facts, and it turns out that wasn't what was important. Sunlight warms my face and the air fills my lungs. Summer sun brings growth and the winter cold needs rest. Crunchy leaves feel good beneath my feet. And I'm just not sure I have to know it all. Well, thanks for the discussion, man. That was, that's a tricky one. You are where you are. And philosophical-ish. You and, you know, I, I, yeah. I googled what is truth. That, yeah. Just, just give, don't even bother. <laughs> yeah, you, you texted me the, the potential topic, and I was like, oh, just what is truth? Okay. And my mind spiraled out of control for the rest of the day. <laughs> How do I even, even talk about truth? That I Have I said this on the show? I don't remember where I learned this or if I made it up, so I'm going to take credit for it. And if I'm wrong, that's okay. In school, I studied engineering, but I had to take a lot of science courses, and I brushed up against people who were in, like, physics degrees. Yep. And the difference between a scientist and an engineer, it's, like, they take a lot of the same math in school. Mm -hmm. They have maybe some of the same competencies. The difference is a scientist cares about what is the facts that are true and why. Engineer doesn't care about that. An engineer cares about what works. Hmm. Yeah. So it's helpful. It's helpful to know the fact. Right. It's helpful to know that torsion does this and the tensile strength of steel is this. Mm -hmm. And here's why. And here's what happens when you heat a metal up and then cool it down. Thank you, scientists, for figuring that out. But the engineer will just say, or we could put a factor of two on it and then we're right all the time (laughs) and we can build bridges out of it. Who cares? Why? It, it works. Just like my dad is like, just put an extra nail in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, here's the theory, but you don't need to know that. Just use 1.5 and you'll be fine. Yeah. And the engineer, the scientists, and there's value to science. And, you know, I don't think engineers are better than scientists, but it's a, it's a good analogy because the scientists will just dive deeper and deeper and deeper into the fact and their dissertate, dissertation will be about some some fact that nobody has cared enough about to explore. And the engineers are trying to make the world a better place. <laughs> They're like, stop with the facts. Okay, we got enough. We're going to yeah. take that and we're going to apply it to life. I think about that a lot. 
like, do I need to know the facts or do I have enough? And can right. I like, do I have enough to start walking and go the right direction? Right. It's like, it's like Hannah with her gecko. She's got so many facts. It's just like <laughs> yeah. coming out her ears and it's giving her anxiety. Like how much D3 do they need? Should it should be a light bulb or some dusting powder on the crickets that I give them or yeah. on and on and on and on. And, and one of the guys that I went to pet store and he's like, she's talking about all, all the anxiety she has. And he's like, just get a gecko, stick it in the tank and throw some worms at it. And it's fine. You know, yeah. just figure it out as you go. It may do something. Don't just sit there, do something. Oh man. I need to hear that. I'm the person who I have read four books about how to keep bees. <laughs> And I have never kept a single bee. You haven't? I have not. No, I just, I love, it's a hobby that I think about a lot. You said that you think about your hobbies, but I thought that one you had done. No, it's, I, I need have, to get you some bees, dude. I mean, I've, I've like, I've put on a, I've gone, I have like put on a bee suit and touched sure. bees and like looked yeah. at bees. I've gotten close, but I'm, I'm piling up the facts because mm-hmm. I think that I need that foundation of facts and I need to know all the stuff. And my brother, would have had a lot of bees and a lot of them would have died and then he would have done something different and he'd like, he would have honey and I have no honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get you some bees, dude. Yeah, I need to do it. I just need to do yep. it. I have lots of fact reasons to not do it, but I just need to do it. Fact reasons? <laughs> yeah. Neighbors. <laughs> <sighs> well, we'll talk to you later then. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Steve. Great t-shirt. Oh, thank you. Daniel Wheat, the in-between, out on Spotify. If you don't have a t-shirt, you're not cool. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you got something out of the episode today. Check the show notes in your podcast app for all the links and references that were made, or you can find it all at followingthefire.com. If you'd like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash followingthefire to become a patron. And of course, we'd love it if you rate the podcast and share it with others. See you later. And I'll give you all my heart. Don't you know it's all I have? Even on my heart. Can't compare with what you're worth. Almost all my life But you You always chase me down